Welcome to the Speakeasy, Mixing Passions, a fuel production. We will be taking you on the blind query trip, where we will do a blind tasting. The host will guide you through that, as well as answer queries from you, the listener, about whiskey and golf. Enjoy. Welcome to the Speakeasy, everybody. This is Brian Bailey here bringing you Blind Query. Uh, what we're going to do today, I, I do have a blind tasting. Uh, my wife is actually going to join us, and we're going to do the last two blinds on the blind barrel that I received. So we're going to go completely blind, have no clue on what they are other than they're probably bourbons or at least American whiskey. Uh, so be watching for that. But the first thing I wanted to do is make our cocktail of the week. And then we're also going to talk about questions and answers so we can kind of do both. So I'll start with the golf questions because that takes very little brain power for me to operate and I can make a drink with that as well. Uh, first question I got was, I want to be able to shoot even par. What does it take? Having a data science company, what does that look like? Well, to shoot even par is really easy. You need to hit 12 greens on average. Uh, of those 12 greens, half of them, so six need to be inside of 20 feet and you have to make three of those putts for birdie. Of the six greens you miss, three of those need to be inside of six feet and also we must convert three par attempts. Therefore, we shoot even. So the rule is 50-50, um, 50% of our greens and 50% of our chip shots inside of six feet. And that is kind of what it looks like to shoot even par. Not that hard. So if you go inside of GameForge, www.mygameforge.com, that's where you'll find it. Drink-wise today, we're going to do an orange lemon bomb. So uh, since we're in Irish week and Jameson Orange is by far probably my favorite of the flavored liquors. So we're going to go ahead and create an orange... Uh, lemon bomb, so we're going to do one and a half shot ounces of Jameson Orange. Awesome. I've already put my um, ice cube inside of there. Mm, I like Jameson Orange. It is a good summer drink. And today in Virginia, it is hot as blue blazes. It's about 95 degrees. So this is going to be spectacular. Uh, next question. Uh, I want to buy a set of irons, and I'm a kind of a developing player, 87 and above. What should I buy? To me, buy used, played against sports, garage sale, buy a used set of clubs, and instead of spending extra money for a used set of clubs, go find a good golf professional, right? Take lessons, learn what it takes, use GameForge uh, to become a better player. So do not waste your money on high-end clubs right now. Wait until you get better and better, and then you can go search clubs that'll benefit your game and what you like to do instead of buying a really expensive set of clubs and trying to fit it to your game. So to me, uh, out the gate, be economical. Um, so, so step one was ice, step two, uh, highball glass, Jameson orange, and then we're gonna go three to one. So we're gonna do three actual one and a half ounces of lemonade. And this is a simple build. So anytime that you have a build cocktail, um, you're just going to add layers on top of it. You don't need to stir it. You can. Uh, but basically a build is just building layers. Uh, I'll go ahead and just stir it with my finger. What the heck? So this is an orange bomb. Orange lemon bomb. Pretty good. You can put an orange wedge for... Um, again, you can put a little orange wedge for kind of a garnish. But <laughs> that is tasty. Uh, so that was our cocktail of the day. We're going to call it the Orange Lemon Bomb using Jameson Orange, Lemonade, and an Ice Cube. 
Uh, question three. The difference, uh, this is from a video shot control that we shot a couple, uh, about a week ago. We, I talked about aim and I said static and dynamic. What's the difference between the two, asked a listener. Static aim is where you set the club. So I physically address the ball wherever I put the uh, putter down and where it faces, or even iron or wood, wherever it faces when it's at, at rest, not in motion. We call that static aim, right? It's just sitting there. And then there's also what we call dynamic aim is once we start moving the club, right when it comes back into impact, where is the face? Is it still pointing where the static aim was? Then your aims would be equal or congruent. And if your face of the putter or, or wood or whatever coming back into the ball, is it open, like pointing to the right or closed, pointing to the left of the ball, that would be our dynamic aim. So what we find inside of golf, what we've got to do is manage a swing where we can return the face relatively equal to where it started. And that gives us our best chance to start a ball online or kind of where we're aiming at, right? So where most amateurs and high handicappers get go wrong is in the swing, they might aim fairly well. In the swing, they lose that face. So when they return it to the ball, the face is either way right or way left. And again, chicken and egg, if my face is way off, then I'm gonna move my body differently, trying to get the face square. So a lot of swing issues happen because of the way you handle the face throughout the golf swing. And that's why, again, goes back to question number two, what equipment should I buy? It's better to go see a good golf professional that can kind of guide you in the right direction. Uh, it'll save you money in the long run and then you can justify buying the most expensive clubs uh, because now you're good enough to move them around and score with them. But again, to me, uh, static aim, club at rest. Dynamic aim is where the face is, basically at impact with the movement of your swing, putting stroke, things along that line. Question number four, how can I target better on the golf course? Mm, that's good. Targeting on the golf course is real simple. We use fingers um, to do lateral dispersions, go inside of fuel, videos.mygayforge.com, become a member, you can download all of that. Uh, we have some new videos coming on on that and we're gonna be helped out with a friend of ours that's been using the finger dispersions with great effectiveness inside of his coaching. Um, so understanding your lateral dispersion, understanding long, short, how often do I leave it long, short, kind of what are the chances of my carries? Because I don't wanna hit a shot where one out of 10 times it's gonna go that distance. I wanna hit a shot eight or nine or 10 out of 10 times it'll go relatively that distance. So targeting really boils down to your ability to control the golf ball. The better I can control the golf ball, the more aggressive I can be with targeting. The less I control the golf ball, the more general and laid back and uh, I need to be with targeting, right? So finger dispersions, like I said, you can actually use your fingers from the fairway and I've seen a bunch of LPGA players starting to utilize this, which is kind of a spinoff of side of Game Forge or what we do, which is awesome. A lot of college teams use it as well. Being able to, to predict where their shot will end up, what a good shot will look like, and to be able to hit away from trouble. But to me, to be able to target better, the first thing you need to do is be able to control the golf ball better. So if I hit the golf ball better, I can control it better. And then pretty much once you break kind of 76, 75, pretty much you're targeting the pin roughly 160, 150 yards and in. You're attacking pins. And then depending if there's a hazard or, or out of bounds or something like that, we might tell you to hit a little bit away from a flag stick, but more times than not, you're really going after pins. You're really going after flag sticks 
trying to score because we here at GameForge and we here in the risky world believe in winning. Winning is a good thing. We don't want to be average. And average whiskey sucks. Average golf scores suck. We want to be the best. Man, I really like this. This might be my new summer drink. If I had to kind of tweak it a little bit, instead of three to one, I might go two to one. Two lemonades to one. Jameson is a little sweet for me on the lemonade side, but like I said, depending on where you like whiskey, that might be the perfect fit for you. So that would be kind of my alteration on the recipe setting up there. All right, let's talk a couple whiskey questions I've got. One of them was very detailed. Let's save that one for last. Uh, one question I got is, what is my favorite pour right now? What has been my favorite drink? We've been in Irishville here over the last uh, four weeks. I've had a couple bourbon tastings, a couple friends over having bourbon. There's a lot of bourbons I really like, but I'm gonna go Irish this time. I have to say, I always love Redbreast. I probably have this a couple times a month. I have to tell you, I have been really, really happy with the Green Spot. Uh, I tend to have arguments with the Green Spot where it's really good, really bad, but here the last three or four tastings I've had it. I mean, the citrus notes, the green apple has been spectacular. Um, so this bottle of Green Spot has just been through the roof. So I have to say my favorite pour here over the last month inside of the Irish is Green Spot. I still like Bushmill. I still like Drum Shambo, uh, Red Breast, every version thereof that I have of Red Breast. You know, I still like Fern Colon. I like, uh, God, there's so many Irishes that we own. Uh, very good stuff. But I got to say Green Spot's by far been the most impressive. Now, it's only an 80 proof whiskey. So a lot of Irishes are typically lower proof, uh, but I really, really have enjoyed it. And it's a little bitey for an 80, which is kind of cool. Uh, what I've come to find is most people either love or hate Green Spot. I'm definitely in a love mode right now. Uh, favorite Irish dram over the past month we just kind of talked about. Uh, best way to enjoy a whiskey. The best way to enjoy a whiskey is however you like to drink a whiskey, whether it be neat, room temperature in a glass, on the rocks, um, shaken, cocktail, built cocktail, shaken cocktail, it doesn't matter. Uh, as long as you like the flavor and the taste, then that is the whiskey for you. Uh, a lot of people say, you gotta add water, and we actually do this in our, our tasting where we add a little bit of water. Water sometimes makes it better, sometimes makes it different, right? So there is no right or wrong. The key to whiskey drinking for me is just finding a version that you like. If there's a whiskey you taste and you just don't appreciate it or like it, that's fine. Someone else is going to love it. Save it for them. You can go ahead and choose a different path, a different course forward on favorite whiskeys. Um, so to me, like I said, it, the best way for you to learn to enjoy whiskey is to find what you like in a whiskey. So to me, as a starter drink, if you're new to whiskey, what I just created here, I don't think you would... Uh, be upset and you would probably not even really understand that you're drinking whiskey because I'm getting the orange from the Jameson I'm getting the lemonade it's pretty good I don't really get it much whiskey flavor uh, <laughs> good way to start um, so that's kind of uh, th those questions that, so the main question I got was uh, I don't know if anyone's watched this show it's on Discovery I think or maybe HBO Max um, it's called Moon uh, Master Distiller kind of Moonshiners and, and if you do any reading on whiskey, I do have my whiskey books that I actually read up and actually try to learn more about whiskey. Um, you also, you know, a lot of times hear about heads, 
hearts and tails, or sometimes you'll hear uh, four shots, faints, uh, a bunch of terminology when it comes to the actual distilling process. We're getting ready to do an entire series or video on distilling, so we're not gonna go super deep into this, but the question was, what are head, hearts, and tails? So, understand that we're gonna take a mash. We've already kind of talked about this uh, in, the, in the shot video. Uh, uh, so basically, you're gonna take your grains, you're gonna add water, you're gonna add yeast. It's gonna create a, some, a mash, it's gonna have some sort of alcohol. Yeast is gonna die, you're gonna pour it into the still, you're gonna run the still under heat, it's, it's gonna evaporate the alcohol before water, and then it comes spitting out of the still completely clear. So kind of a rough, like what happens? Well, what happens is when the actual distillant comes out of the still, it comes out in different layers. So the first layer is what they call four shots, or sometimes it's also combined inside of heads. This is any time that you get alcohol that comes through the system, where it's really under 170 degrees, usually between 140 and about 175. Any distillant that you get out of that is actually what they call four shots and you wanna get rid of that. There's actually really, really bad compounds, methanol is in that. If you know anything about methanol, ever read on moonshiners going blind or dying from you know, moonshine whiskey, it's the fact that there was methanol in the actual moonshine and that ended up killing them. It doesn't take a whole lot. Uh, basically 10 mLs of methanol um, will make you blind and anything more than that probably will kill you. Um, now it does have a distinct smell and uh, commercial distillers have to worry about this as well, but there are tests and ways to do this. You can definitely smell it a lot of times with methanol in the system, but those are called four shots. You want to get rid of that. The next layer is called heads. Heads show up roughly between 175 degrees and 185 degrees. So remember, water boils over 200 degrees, right? So what alcohol actually turns into a vapor before water does. So this is how you can actually distill, take that watery mash and turn it into alcohol without getting steam and water in the system. So alcohol is evaporating fast, uh, faster, so we have heads. Uh, again, this is gonna have Ethanol is going to start to be uh, um, coming through in the heads, but it's also going to have different flavor compounds as well. So what most distillers do is they will capture the heads. They can reuse them. They can distill them again uh, for a future run. And also sometimes they might add heads into the actual uh, drink that you want, uh, moonshine or whiskey barrel, and that little bit of heads can give you some different flavor notes. So it's gonna give you things other than the ethanol taste, right? Which is kind of the heart, which we're getting ready to talk about of the distilling process. So heads come out at a little lower temperature. Um, again, heads can be used, they can be ditched, or they can be reused and run through the still again. And that would be completely up to the distiller, master distiller. Uh, the next part is called hearts, just like it sounds. Hearts is where you're getting almost pure ethanol. Well, not pure ethanol, but you're getting the most amount of ethanol. And this is really the, the gold standard of, of your drink. You want that ethanol um, because it tends to be sweet. Ethanol is really good for that. So ethanol runs from about 190 to 205. Now I'm giving you some temperatures as a, as a baseline, but depending on what your actual mash is made up, how much water, these numbers can vary in temperature. They can go a little lower, a little higher, but I'm just kind of ballparking it right now for you. So hearts, again, just give you that really good ethanol, give you that really clean mix. So you gotta think heads are gonna cost you about 10 to 20%. Uh, 
uh, hearts and, and like four shots and kind of, kind of combined into heads. Hearts are going to give you probably 50%, give or take, of your actual distill run. And then there's something called tails. That's kind of the end of the run. So once the temperature in the still starts to get above 205, um, now we're starting to get steam intermixing with the actual ethanol. So now we're actually getting different flavors that are being pulled through and they call these tails. Um, so this would be the higher temperature part of the still. This usually is about 20 to 30% of your run. And in the beauty of tails, again, they're used like heads. They can be added into the system. Uh, it typically has an oily fixed uh, taste and, and feature to it. And it does have some different flavors. So if you wanna add complexity, adding head and tails to the ethanol is a big way that the master distiller does that. So those are tails. And then you also have faints. Sometimes they're also called tails as well. That's just these subtle little flavors that are kind of hidden, uh, but you only find them in the tails. So that gives you a, a, a good understanding. So if you do watch master distiller and you're kind of looking along that lines, now it makes a whole lot more sense what they're talking about. So when they talk about heads, hearts, and tails. And like I said, I went ahead and threw in uh, four shot and faints as well. Um, so what we're gonna do is I'm gonna bring my wife down and we're gonna shoot the secondary video of this. We're gonna do blind tasting with blind barrels. I was really happy with my first two tastings. And if you remember the Golden Promise uh, out of Little Rock, Arkansas, I was a huge fan. I actually ordered a bottle of that. Um, so that's coming soon to my allotment. I really enjoyed them. Uh, and hopefully I'll find one tonight I enjoy and I might order another one. So uh, stay tuned here in a, a minute or two. But like I said, I'm enjoying my orange lemon bomb. Uh, it is Jameson orange, simply lemonade and a shot glass and then a highball glass with ice. Enjoy and thank you and Take it away. My wife Anita is joining us. Here we go. We lost audio during our tasting, so I am not going to be able to bring you our blind tasting for this series. I will tape a new blind tasting in the coming days and send out. Sorry about that, and thank you so much. This has been a Fuel production.